here at the Alliance. Uh, I'm joined by Richard Gregg, who's the stadium director here, and I'm also joined by Bryn Lee from CIS Pitches. Um, we're here today because there's a, a refurbishment or a reinstallation going on rather than a refurbishment. Um, tell us what's going on here at the moment then, please. Uh, so we're coming into four years now at Alliance Park, um, and our pitch is uh, due for replacement, not not necessarily because um, it's worn out, because it hasn't. Sure. Uh, we're just luckily enough to deal with CIS and they've got a better product available for us and we want the best product available for the best players in the world. So you're upgrading. Bruce? Yeah, the, uh, the pitch, as Richard said, there's had three and a half years of really heavy use, intense use. It's been playing to uh, the best possible standard, but um, the mar market's moved on, if you like, and we want to make sure the players get the best surface and uh, allows them to carry on playing fast winning rugby. You've made a decision as Saracens that you're going to work with CIS. What was that decision based on? How did you come to that? CIS have a, arguably the best reputation in the world um, okay. and once again we, we want the best organisations to work with us. Um, we have uh, a really good working relationship and partnership in terms of how we look after the pitch um, as well as when and who gets to install it. It was a relatively straightforward decision for us to work with CIS. So technically here, Bryn, uh, at the moment we see in the background there that the, the old pitch is being taken up. Um, what sort of process is involved with that? Uh, the first process is uh, literally lifting the old pitch up, so it's cut into strips and we have special equipment that will roll the rolls up, complete with the infill. Okay. Uh, so literally like big rolls of carpet? Absolutely, which is exactly and what it is. E each roll um, is probably about six foot tall and weighs about 17 tonnes um, and the idea will be that the pitch will be relocated to another venue uh, and relayed exactly in the same format as it's been taken up in. So the pitch is perfectly serviceable and it's going to be reused somewhere else? Yeah, all, all pitches get tested uh, regularly and this pitch was tested not that long ago to World Rugby Standards, it meets World Rugby Standards, um, the pitch is fine, it's got many more years of life left in it um, so some lucky recipient will get the, uh, the Saracens pitch. So from your point of view, Richard, you're investing in a new pitch. Do you have a, a, a lifespan that you're expecting that to last? Um, this pitch has an eight-year warranty on it. So, right, okay. um, but as, as I explained, we, we want the best, the best pitch available for the best players. Um, we would expect the same uh, level of warranty with the next pitch, which we've been told we can have. Um, if a new product comes available, a better and improved one, then we'll look at it and make a, a decision as required. And the one we're seeing taken up in the background there, that's had how many matches on it? Uh, so it's around 350 over the last three and a half years. Wow, um, okay. I think we're looking at about 7,500 to 8,000 hours worth of community use. So we work it's not with just rugby, so there's schools, etc. that are practicing. Exactly. There, we're, we're a dual-use stadium, so we have an athletic season to accommodate as well as a rugby season. So we're used all day, every day of the year, um, which is something we pride ourselves on. We're a community-focused club. Uh, whether or not we're engaging with local partners through schools or local partners through clubs, um, we'll make sure that that pitch is used as much as possible and, and the, the demand is definitely there. Um, okay. Brim, would you say that's a, a heavy use for a pitch of this type? I would say it's a heavy use, um, primarily because I've been here during the week yep. and uh, you forget it's a rugby stadium because you come here and you've got loads of school kids on there having their afternoon sports sessions on here. You can come here another time and have the American football guys training here before they play at Wembley and a whole host of, of different activities and uh, a rugby field is normally 30 players plus referee and linesman on the pitch but sometimes you can come here and see 80, 100 people on the pitch using the facility so yeah it, it's okay. heavy use but that's what it's designed for. But equally you also have uh, fans allowed on the pitch at, at matches as well or after matches should yeah. I say. 
10,000 seater stadium. Um, at the moment it's in athletics mode, so that's considerably reduced. So we'll put some temporary seats in um, over the next couple of weeks and then I'll be ready for the first two weeks in September. Um, we have our first home game on the 17th of September. Um, and then in terms of once the game finishes on a match day, uh, we invite the fans to come on and uh, enjoy our pitch as much as the players get to. Um, luckily for us, it's not grass. We don't have groundsmen yeah. uh, in our ear saying, get off, get off. We're very much about get on, get on. So uh, we have signs saying, please keep on the pitch rather than please keep <laughs> okay. off the pitch. But from your point of view as the manufacturer supplier, does that have a different kind of impact on the surface? Yeah, we try and come along and take those signs away right. <laughs> as soon as we can uh, because uh, look, the more people on the pitch, uh, that's fine. Uh, when the fans come on they tend to wear flat sole shoes which tend yeah. to flatten the fibres down so the most important thing here is maintenance and we work together club and, uh, and company if you like to make sure the pitch is maintained correctly for the players before the matches so it's in tip top condition but also immediately after heavy use it's, it's also got to be brushed up so the role of the groundsman here is actually quite important it's, it's, a, it's a key part of making sure the pitch performs uh, to, its, to its optimum. So you still have a ground team um, but they're not obviously looking after turf as such as such yeah certainly here uh, are they looking after the training facility as well or is it just a dedicated stadium so our, our training facility is uh, separate um, yeah. it's at old Albanian sports ground um, in St Albans and uh, they're separate uh, set up um, long-term goal uh, will be to improve that facility um, sure. and as well as improving this facility there might be some synergies there might not and the decisions for us to be uh, for us to make over the next couple of months. So you've got separate um, grounds teams for so both separate grounds teams. Okay. Yeah. And have they got a mix of synthetic and natural surfaces over there? So our training ground, we have a 25 by 20 right. um, pitch, which is identical to. It's just been laid actually a couple of weeks ago, okay. um, which is identical to what's going in here uh, over the next week or so. And the feedback from that's been brilliant so far. And that has a separate maintenance program um, where the guys have that uh, brushed as required over the uh, a monthly period. You know, dual use stadium, but obviously the highest profile stuff is actually the, the rugby. Mm -hmm. What do the players make of the surface that you've had for the last three and a half years? Uh, so we've changed the way the, pl the guys play. Um, by no means am I expert on exactly the way we play, but right. I think a couple of years ago we had a uh, not the best reputation for the most uh, adventurous rugby, right. whereas now we do. Um, we're one of the highest try scoring teams in the league, and I think the pitch is a huge asset to making that claim. Um, we can play fast, expansive rugby um, without the risk of losing footing, scrums collapsing, um, and I think the stats back that up as well. And I know back in the old days of the first plastic pitches when they came into the, the, the football side of things, teams like QPR got a significant home advantage because of that. Mm. Does that transpire into the, the game of rugby as well? I, I think less so because they're more and more common now. So yeah. Cardiff have an artificial pitch, Newcastle have got one, Worcester are putting one in. So I don't think anyone now we're four years in should use that as a possible excuse that they come to Allianz Park and they lost because we're on an artificial pitch. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll join on this one. Uh, the first pitches were basically very big tennis courts. They weren't yeah. made for football, but football played on it. Um, but the myth is that it gave the home team an advantage. But of the four teams that had synthetic pitches, QPR, Fulham, uh, not Fulham, Luton, uh, Preston and Oldham, QPR, uh, Oldham and Luton had their highest ever league positions and you can't do that just by winning at home. Okay. So you need to be able to play away. It's only Preston who happened to be in the fourth division sure. at the time that, that didn't. Uh, but those three all, all did incredibly well playing on synthetic turf and what synthetic turf enabled them to do was to play a fast passing game. 
And these days, you know, Saracens have got this pitch here, but when they go to, let's say the Rico, or let's say uh, they won't go to Majeski this season, which are top quality natural turf pitches, but those pitches have also got reinforced fibres yeah. in them as well. They're still able to play that fast game rugby. The trouble Saracens may have is when they have to go and play at Gloucester in December or something when the pitch is, is mud yeah. and the trans transfer of the skill set from a fast pitch to a slow pitch. That's a challenge, but most clubs are actually training on better quality pitches now. So when they come here, I don't think it's as much of an advantage as people think because people are more used to fast rugby. So I guess your argument would hold up whether they got a, a good quality hybrid pitch or a fully synthetic pitch. When they go to a, a fully natural pitch that may be a quagmire in the middle of December, it's going to be the same issue anyway. So if you want a good surface, yeah. you're still going to have the, the issue of a, a not such good surface. Again, one of the things that was noticeable watching Saracens' results last uh, couple of seasons, not only are they winning the games and, and winning the league, which is absolutely fantastic, but they're scoring tries, which makes it more fun for the players. But from a spectator perspective, they can come here and they know they're going to be entertained. Now, if you look at, a, a, again, a weekend in December, January, where a lot of the other pitches in the, in the Premiership uh, are, are being used and they're muddy pitches, you're seeing scores like 10-9 or 12-8, right. whatever. Uh, you're not seeing the 35-20s that you're seeing at Saracens. So yeah, the, the quality of the pitch makes a big difference to the perspective of the fans and would you want to go and see, I mean true rugby people would want to actually go and see a 9-6 game because it means something to them, yeah. but a lot of fans don't. They want to see the high scoring thing, so from a, from a fan perspective seeing a fast pitch, fast rugby is very important. Dual use stadium, so what was the real driving factor behind going fully synthetic then? Was it that dual use? Was it a saving that you could make on ground staff etc? I don't think it's a saving. Um, it, it's, it's efficient, I think that's a good way of putting it, um, but Saracens has always been known for its community focus, um, whether or not that's through our sports foundation or some of the rugby development work that we do, um, and having that asset uh, allowed us to do much more and engage with our community and it just comes back to the point that if the players can play on it and our community can play on it it becomes more valuable and I think that way people feel part of the club and if you feel part of the club you're more likely to come along to the games and support Saracens as, as a family. We've touched on the, the removal of the pitch that we've got going on behind us. Installation will start when? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. So okay. the pitch will be cleared by the end of today and the first rolls of grass are actually over there waiting to come on uh, over the next two weeks, the uh, new pitch will be uh, be laid. Um, okay. It's a heavier pitch. Richard touched on it. It's a, it's a, it's a newer surface. It's a heavier pitch. Um, one of the, the challenges we've got is ensuring that the, the rubber infill that's in there is, is kept below the, the surface. So that's one okay. of the uh, the facts we've looked at, at trying to, to deal with. So it's a heavier pitch. Um, it's gonna. Uh, I think it's gonna be great. So far, the feedback from the players I spoke to at the training ground is, is really really positive. Um, so yeah, it should look look really really good. Rubber crumb, the yes. infill, um, coming for some debate, shall we say, a few months back, uh, and the fact that it may have carcinogenic nature. Have you got any comment to make on that at all? Yeah, uh, where it came from is, is, is quite interesting. It came as a result of uh, coincidences in America, uh, particularly with female goalkeepers who had unfortunately contracted cancer, and they claimed the only thing in common was the fact they all played uh, football on synthetic turf. Right. 
there are other things that are in common with those players because um, when they were playing in goal, there are a lot of other players playing on the pitch who haven't had the same issue. Yep. So we doubt that it is, it is rubber. Certainly all the independent tests that have been done by um, universities, by independent labs, by research that's been commissioned by local authorities, especially over in America and in places like Norway as well, uh, there's no connection between uh, the cause of cancer coming from, from rubber. And as an industry, um, whether it's FIFA, whether it's World Rugby, we're all saying that there is no evidence at the moment, but it's always a good story. There's no actual yeah. evidence, but there is a story there. Okay, so you're firmly behind the fact that rubber crumbs are not a problem. And other it, types of infill uh, that you would use, are there any issues around that? No, but just on the, on the rubber one, rubber's part of our life. You, right. you, you live by a side of a road, cars go past, the, there's rubber yeah. in the air. Uh, all those people who worked at, at tyre fitting places, you don't hear of it. So again, you know, for us, it, it, it's not a story, but there is a story for, for some people yeah, there. And there are coincidences, we accept there are coincidences there. Okay. In terms of other infill, there are other infills around. Um, the best one in terms of performance is, has always been the recycled rubber crumb. Um, there are different types of natural infills that are being used, but they tend to hold water and they can freeze in, in cold, right. cold conditions. They're, they are actually quite useful in hot climates. Uh, and as good as everything is here at Saracens, it's a nice sunny day. The climate isn't justifying you know, using those type of infills. Further down in the system, traditionally um, uh, you use sand uh, to, to support the, the base of the carpet before the rubber goes in. On this particular pitch here, uh, we're introducing a new material, which is effectively a recycled glass. Glass comes okay. from sand in the first place. The, the bottles are broken and, and in a special way, so the glass is a rounded uh, material, slightly larger in size, so it allows rapid drainage as well. So again, even under the heaviest downpour, that pitch will be playable immediately, uh, and, and this will support and works within the system. So that's a small modification that we've so made to the overall part pitch. Of this absolutely, install. yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So you could actually, Richard, claim that your players will run over broken glass for their team. Yeah, I'm not sure that's, <laughs> that's, that's a line. I'm not sure we'll go with that one. I've seen the sand. It's, uh, it's, the, the, it's fine. The, the process, if you want to carry on just for a second, yeah. the, the, proce the process is the glass is imploded, uh, so it's not shattered or broken. It's imploded uh, in a certain way, which only creates rounded particles, uh, and it's basically turning sand to glass, glass back to sand. Um, the interesting fact here, that the, the, the sand, you'll see it when it arrives here, has got a, a slight green uh, tint to it because the majority of glass that's used in this country is green. Right. For uh, an installation for rugby and football, are there any differences in the carpet that you would like? Um, not really, no, except with football you can get away with a lower pile height. Right. So in football um, it's about ball roll, yeah. it's about uh, foot surface reaction, uh, a few other little things as well, but in rugby you've got the extra uh, added factor of uh, body impact, so there's a test called uh, HIC, Head Impact Criteria Test, right. which measures what would happen if a player falls from a height. You don't need that in football, but you do need it in rugby. Uh, and as a result of that, the rugby surfaces have to be at least 60 millimetre in depth. This one here is actually 65, so we've gone okay. a little bit over that. But in football, you can actually drop it. But yeah, look, that pitch out there, you could play top level uh, football on it. In fact, apart from in this country where we still have an aversion at the top level of the game to using synthetic turf in, in professional matches, if you were to go to Holland, for example, uh, most of the Scandinavian countries, Switzerland, um, Russia, a lot of those matches are played on synthetic turf, even up to Champions League level. Right. And I'd actually say this is probably a better quality surface than they're playing on 
really in, in those matches but yeah you could play you could play top level football on this pitch we don't assume that you you need to come along to the carpet store and you go right that's the one i want it's on the shelf i presume you produce the carpet for the venue absolutely yeah. we we manufacture our own carpet it's made up in cumbria um, we use uh, the best quality uh, uh, fibres uh, and we make this, the surfaces specific to each venue. Um, footballs are, uh, and rugby strange games in, in the sense that you can have pitches of slightly different widths and different lengths. You can have dead balls of different sizes and everything. So we always make, uh, make to order, if you like, um, rather than sort of mass produce and take off the shelf. In terms of when you're working with a venue or a mm. club and they're specifying the type of pitch they want, is there anything else other than the, the depth of the pile that you'd be talking about? Are there different fibres available? Yeah, there are different fibres available. Again, the fibre we've used on on this pitch here and we'll use on the new pitch um, is probably the most durable fibre. And the balance is getting uh, uh, the durability, so it's going to last for a period of time, getting the resilience, so the fibre is going to stay upright, but also getting the softness, so the player, when he falls on the surface, isn't going to have any abrasion. And if you get those three right and the balance right, you're on to a winner. through the process of deciding the, mm-hmm. the height of the, the carpet, or the pile, should I say, and the fibre that you wanted, was there consultation with the coaching and the playing staff at all? Um, less so about that technical spec. I think it's, it's important the guys get on it and play and yeah. want to enjoy, enjoy and perform. Um, more so about the size, dimension of the pitch. Okay. Um, so we're bound by an athletics track around our pitch. Um, however, we do have one of the biggest pitches available. Um, I think this is our, the biggest pitch you've ever laid. Yeah. So we're, yeah, right, okay. we're 106 metres from dead ball to dead ball and 68 metres across. Um, so it's biggest pitch regardless of sport or just biggest you, rugby you, pitch? You biggest could, rugby pitch. You, 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 could, yeah. you could go up to 70 metres in width, um, uh, but we're obviously tied by the athletics track and I, I think if, if we could, we, we might explore that option. So the, the input from the coaches and our director of rugby was more so down that line right. rather than the specification in terms of uh, fibre length. Cis pitches, not just artificial, you do a few other things as well. Do you want to just give us a, a brief outline of what else you're involved in at the moment? Yeah, we're almost, if you like, the one-stop shop uh, in this country for both natural and synthetic turf. And on the natural side of, uh, of things, we've uh, got our Cisgrass product, yep. which is a hybrid fibre turf, uh, fibre reinforced system where we inject fibres into the, into the pitch uh, every two centimetres. Uh, we've just finished the iPro Stadium at Derby uh, and we did that pitch in a week, or in five right. days to be, to be exact. We've finished another four pitches at the training ground there. We've got five training pitches at Chelsea. But the big news from the company is we've started work at Lushniki Stadium in, uh, in Moscow, which will be the venue for the 2018 Football World Cup opening ceremony, first match, semi-finals and final. Oh, brilliant. So British okay. company building the pitch installing the fibres in to reinforce it for the next World Cup. Richard, so looking forward then, um, how many games and, and hours are you expecting to have a year on the new surface when it goes in? To manage it as best as we can, we're looking at no more than sort of five hours of use a day. Um, okay. And to be honest, that, that might be a challenge, but we'll manage it because we need to protect our asset. It is, it's not the cheapest pitch in the world and um, we want to make sure that we get as much value from it and that, that five hours is the target um, for us. Um, and whether or not that's a local school, local club, rugby camps, um, the NFL, what the RFU are doing some of their schools events okay. or fixtures, um, or we're putting our big screen on the pitch so we think guys, some of our fans can come down and watch some of the uh, upcoming Lions games which we did a, four years ago. Okay. Um, it'll all add up quite quickly, but working with SIS, we'll make sure we maintain that pitch as I was just going to say, that's yeah. going to take some investment, and I think yeah. one of the 
the mythologies around synthetic services, certainly in the early days, was well, you don't need to do much in the way of maintenance and, and looking after them, but that is a myth. We normally say you've got to do um, an hour of maintenance per 10 hours of use, so 40 hours, that's four hours. Four hours is a couple of good brushes on the pitch. Sure. But because of the quality of, of the play that's on this pitch from the first team performance, you're dealing with some of the top players in the world, England internationals, you know, some of whom or quite a few I'm hoping will go on the Lions tour next sure. year so the pitch has got to be kept right at the top as well so there is a difference between keeping a synthetic pitch for community use and keeping it for, for top professional use as well so we work together on that making sure the pitch is good. So you've got an in-house team so you've still got a grounds team that are going to look after the day-to-day -day maintenance mm -hmm. if that's correct and that's going to involve what mainly brushing? Yeah so mainly brushing a um, couple of hours daily uh, and then we'll invite SIS in as required to do the more uh, un uh, decompaction um, of the rubber and if there's anything additional above and beyond that then um, we'll use their expertise as required. So how frequently do you expect to be in doing you know, the major maintenance work that isn't handled in-house then Brent? Um, we will be in before every major match, major okay. event here. Uh, I think we've got scheduled about 30 in, uh, during the course of the year and again but we'll be in regularly see what's happening on the pitch as Richard says what we'll probably do is do a little bit more of the decompaction and keeping that fibre upright and the daily uh, maintenance that, that the club will do will be just about literally keeping the fibres uh, upright brushing it but also keeping it clean because surprisingly when you get a lot of people on the, on the pitch you do get debris brought onto it and even more so when you've got a few few hundred or thousand spectators after a match uh, they, they don't mean to drop things on the pitch but they do so it's important that the, the pitch is looked after really well. From where I'm standing at the moment, it sounds like you're very much in partnership together around this rather than just a, a normal supplier. I think most people would think contractor comes in, fits the pitch, off you go. It's now down to you to look after the maintenance. Is that something that you've developed together or is it something you've been offering for a while at, at SIS? To be fair, um, we have a good relationship with all our customers. It sounds probably arrogant to say that, but it's one thing we, we pride ourselves on. Um, so that we can go back to customers and we do have that relationship and it's important. Not every customer wants you to go back, uh, but in this case we're, we're always welcome here and we work together. And I think it's in our common interest to make sure the pitch is at its best, not just for the club, but for, you know, for the players, but also for the community. It is, you, you should come here another time when you, you've got 100 kids on that pitch yeah. from a school during their afternoon sessions. It's, it's great, it's great to see and it's great the club involves themselves that way. So we're more than happy to support that. And on your in-house maintenance, you actually used to contract that out, I think, didn't you? To yeah, so we, we use technical surfaces um, and we can't fault them. Um, sure. It's just with an SIS pitch, we'd like SIS looking after sure. it. So they did the similar sort of schedule as Bryn's touched on in terms of pre-match and then post-match, um, making sure that that pitch is up to a certain standard for um, Premiership games or European um, Cup games. And then we would look after the day-to-day -day maintenance. So well. your in-house team hasn't really changed, you've, you've still got the same number of guys working on that? Correct. What's the size of the team that you've got looking after that? We've got a team of three that looks after our whole grounds. Um, we're not a massive company, sure. um, although many people may think we are. Um, we're actually quite a close-knit family in terms of staff and uh, we're efficient with what we've got and we make it work very, very well for ourselves. And then you've got another team entirely separate from the stadium here that looks after the training facility. Correct. So our, our training round and performance side of things um, is very, very different and obviously that's a huge part of what we do. Um, we're not just a stadium, we wouldn't be who we are without players and coaches and support staff that are in place down there, which has given us a pretty 
uh, successful last couple of seasons sure. and we're immensely proud of that of the, uh, from them as well as of the stadium that we've got here. And in terms of the surface over at the training facility, is that exactly the same as you're putting in here or is it different in any way? No, the, 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 it's only a small warm-up area there which yeah. they use a lot for the fitness and line-out and scrummage practice and it's 25 metres by 20. Uh, but a lot of the other facilities are, are really good quality natural turf pitches so as well. Got a mix over yeah. there, so but of course the team can come here and train here as well sure. when they need to. So they will train here typically 48 hours before a home game, typically. Okay. Um, sometimes it's slightly different and that will be their captain's run, final prep, yeah. day off before the game. Um, and then they'll use some of our facilities here to have their uh, pretty much food. Um, and we're up here now actually in our players' lounge. Right? Uh, <laughs> no food. No, no, no food for me, unfortunately. <laughs> So, captain's run, you get the opposition come in. Um, do you get any feedback from their players and coaches? So, the opposition teams are allowed to do, um, they're allowed access uh, the day before a game if, if they want yeah. to. Um, in our uh, year one, a lot of them took it up because it was new, as you touched on previously. Yeah. Less so now because it's more frequent and apparent with um, an artificial surface in a number of clubs um, and a lot of them having them at their training facilities sure. as well. So, uh, we still invite clubs to come down if they want to and have access for a, a 20, well, 24 hours prior um, and the feedback generally is quite positive especially if we lose and they win um, <laughs> but like I said I don't think clubs can continue to use it as an excuse that they're playing on artificial surfaces so you're not um, sour grapes after, you think? no and I think um, Bryn alluded to it earlier that if you are the best team it doesn't matter what surface you're playing at the end of the day it's 15 guys versus 15 yeah. guys and if, if you're a better rugby team you'll win whether it's grass or artificial well you're firmly in the artificial camp as a club you've got a, a foot in both camps um, I guess your position would be that both surfaces or all types of surfaces have got a role to play depending on the situation and the application and the needs of the venue yeah, I don't think Saracens could have gone with a, a natural turf pitch or even a hybrid pitch given the amount of community use they have and their commitment to the community. You, 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 there is a balance. There, is balance. there are quite a few other clubs that could actually get away without having a synthetic pitch and have a hybrid pitch which would allow them more matches and more training but they don't have the same commitment to the, the community. So for Saracens this is absolutely right. From For a rugby perspective it's about allowing the players to play to their maximum, not worry about the conditions they're playing in. Yeah, we can't control the wind and things like that, sure. but certainly the playing side, they need to be safe, they need to be able to perform their skills and good quality synthetic turf pitch, which this is, or a good quality natural turf pitch will allow them to do that. Okay, well, Richard, Bryn, thanks very much for inviting us down for the day. Um, fascinating to see what's going on, and we look forward to keeping in touch with what's going on here.